let's do it. Welcome to the, uh, this is probably like, I don't know, we skipped last season, maybe season three of the Mount Washington Avalanche Center Outreach Podcast. I'm Andrew Drummond, joined with Pat Scanlon. What's up, Pat? Hey, Andrew, what's up? Yeah, it's good to be back. It has been a while, so I'm excited to get it kicked off again this year. It's super exciting. Yeah, and you know, the goal of this was um, just to provide a little information, something that people could listen to when they were on their drive up to the mountains, or, you know, if you just want to keep your, keep your proverbial fingers on the pulse of what's happening up here, it's, it's really insightful. It's great to have Pat here and hopefully some of the other snow rangers who can let us know um, what they're seeing and help us make informed decisions and also catch up on events and any other topics that people want to chat about. And, um, yeah, I guess just like a quick introduction on yourself and I'll do the same and we'll get into it. Yeah, it's really interesting. We have been hearing like last year, a lot of folks um, in avalanche courses saying, hey, when's the when's the podcast coming back? I know Frank used to do a really good job um, when he would come in and talk about avalanche center stuff. And and I think that was well received. And so um, MWAC is uh you know a small team so we have to be careful with the time we have but i think we can do this in a way where we can do it on a fairly regular basis and and bring um this format of information and conversation to people who are interested and i'm super excited about that because i'm a podcast listener and i like being able to drive and listen and learn and that sort of thing so hopefully people find that um valuable but yeah i'm i'm patrick scanlon uh, I'm one of the avalanche forecasters at Mount Washington Avalanche Center. Um, I'm relatively new to the avalanche center. I'm, this is my second year, um, as a snow ranger and forecaster, but I've lived in the whites for a long time and, um, done a lot of skiing when I was caretaking and I've been a ski guide for quite a long time. And, um, so this has been a nice change of pace for me and a nice step um i love the opportunity to give back to the backcountry ski community and the climbing community in the way of providing um sort of highly accurate if if we you know the best that we can um forecasting and and information for avalanches and safety and um you know trying to keep the community safe and it's a it's a fun it's a fun job and so I'm, I'm looking i'm really looking forward to going back into this winter season um up on the mountain and and i know last winter was tough with snow we didn't have a lot of we had some st- storms that delivered but a lot of the storms that we thought were going to deliver big snow totals ended in a bunch of rain <laughs> which theme. sort of negated anything that we were hoping for um so yeah i'm hopeful um it's been a slow start to the November, but it looks like we have some snow in the forecast this week. So yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for getting this up and going. I, I should just jump in a little bit about myself is that I grew up here in the Mount Washington Valley and, and I spent, uh, some time out West in San Diego, not skiing, but, but fell in love with backcountry and moved back here and saw an opportunity to help grow the sport. And part of that responsibility of of getting people out into the back country is educating them. So this podcast is a great way 
I feel like to give back and, and to help and keep the conversation going about snow safety and make it fun and interactive when possible. So if people want to send questions, um, feedback, it's, it's super easy to do. There's notes, contact info in the notes of the podcast. And I'm really easy to reach at, at Ski the Whites anyway. But now um, we're upstairs in the, in the new studio in the Ski the Whites um, headquarters. So if anyone has any gear related needs, we're going to talk about a little bit of winter prep and, and gear at the end of this, but it couldn't be more timely to get this up and going with snow in the forecast. So Pat, like, what do you, what do you look for, for this early season snow? How do things sort of start on what we call the Pinkham front range in the Gulf <laughs> of Slides, Tuckerman, Huntington, like how do things fill in? What are people, when should people be expecting? or expect to be skiing here in uh, the white mountains it's an interesting question there's a lot of variability when it comes to early season skiing here i've noticed there's been years where people have descents of left gully in october um, that certainly did not happen this year um, we had a little window of uh, cold uh, weather several weeks ago now but it's been pretty warm um, until yesterday. So it's been a slow start to the year, but in terms of snow and how things fill in, um, you know, it can take a while, especially in the alpine terrain for snow to fill in. But once we get a couple storms, you can really start to notice the effect uh, that wind has in the range in redistributing that snow um onto lee aspects and so in the for the pinkham front range that means basically all the east facing terrain um will start to fill in quicker than any of the west facing or um or north facing terrain will and so that's something to just kind of keep an eye on as as the snow starts to come in um storm after storm and then once that starts to happen you'll notice runs that come in before others typically left gully is sort of an early run that that tends to come in and people that'll see some ski descents relatively early. I think the the biggest thing that we see is the eagerness of folks to get out and make some turns. And I can relate to that 100% because it's, it's that time of year where it's like, you know, it feels like winter should be kicking off, but maybe it hasn't yet. And, or you have friends on the West coast who have been skiing like 20 days already. And, or just Vermont, <laughs> Vermont, Vermont gets the early skiing. They do. And, you know, we, we had a couple incidents last year that were scary that happened in like early December where um, it was actually this exact scenario where, you know, folks were were looking to get some early turns and Left Gully was the sort of run that was in the most. Um, but, you know, that run has a lot of other hazards when the when there's not a lot of snow, there's a lot of rocks, there's a lot of trees, um, the snow can be pretty variable. And I don't think people expect avalanches really early in the season just because there's not widespread connected snow slopes. Um, but they, they can happen in sort of the, the terrain confinements of a, of a place like Left Gully. And, and that did play out last December where a party um, ended up triggering an avalanche on another party and resulted in some injuries. And I believe actually we did a podcast on that last year that people can go and listen to more about that incident. But um, it was a nice early season wake up call for everybody involved. And, um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the biggest, most simple takeaway is that if there's enough snow to ski on uh, in the backcountry, there's enough snow to avalanche. So folks should keep that in mind. Right, because if we're getting like six to 10 inches in the storm system and the winds are right, I mean, it's not going to take long for some of these areas to start filling in that could just that could be lower the lower part of left gully it could be the lower part of headwall in these early season conditions you have all these other hazards that um, present themselves so a lot more of the rocks and debris are are present and um, of course like it's dynamic and it's we're going to see this theme all winter long where these conditions are going to shift from day to day and the weekend traffic is only going to get more and more busy and so you really do have to worry about other people, you, you know, you can be making smart decisions, but if someone is um, above you or something and, you know, you just always have to be super heads up when, when people are out there. Yeah. We live in a popular place for, for, um, skiing and climbing. And, um, that, that's a great thing because it comes with a, it comes with the sort of awesome community that we have, but it can also feel crowded and you have to keep that in mind as you're traveling around other people and, um, look, you know, if maybe you have a lot of experience and you want to be making sure your decisions aren't going to affect somebody else, but also don't, don't forget to look up and try to see if you can figure out what's above you and, and, and all around you too. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit offline about what you're excited for this winter, what the, the avalanche center has going on. I think early season it's, it's November. It's like, we're starting to get get into um the big event which is esau and that's we're in esau week right i'm not that far behind. oh yeah we're yeah. in esau week so so give a little um pitch for esau and how people can get involved and and what to expect yeah so esau is the eastern snow and avalanche workshop um it's part of sort of the national um collection of of snow and avalanche workshops You'll notice every avalanche center across the U.S. Um, does something similar. This is, I believe, year number 12 for Esau, which a lot of people don't realize. We've been doing this for, for that long. Um, and it's it's been in various formats over the years. Traditionally, it has been in person. And then um, when, when COVID was going on, uh, we shifted to a virtual format. Um, and we've sort of kept that format last year. We're going to keep it, I'll go into the logistics, but we're going to sort of keep that format again um, for this year. So what it'll look like is uh, it's Esau is kind of three days total, um, November 17th, 18th, and 19th. November 17th and 18th are virtual presentations. So these are uh, over over like a Zoom um, uh Web, uh, Zoom webinar, and we've got a really awesome collection of speakers for those days, which maybe I'll go into in a second, so we can highlight that. Um, and then on the nineteenth, we had we added this really cool additional add-on that we've never done before, and we're excited to see how this goes. And we've got some really interesting clinics going on, so we're going to do uh, a morning of hands-on clinics um, specific to the avalanche world and also some medical considerations as well. Um, and that'll be a ledge brewing on the 19th in the morning. Um, actually I think we have, if you, if you manage to be one of the first listeners of this, uh, we only have a couple tickets left on, on that event, um, that sold out pretty quickly, but there are, uh, basically an infinite number of, 
of um, virtual presentation tickets um, for the 17th and 18th. And so I'm really excited about those. Is that something you want to talk about? Yeah, well, I'm on the site. I'm looking right now. It's $20 for the Zoom tickets, so kind of a no-brainer. And then the in-person clinics, which will probably be sold out. That's the 19th. Um, That's a super cool hybrid, the fact that you can do the Zoom stuff and then show up in person. I think we we saw how efficient and practical the, the Zoom stuff is, but at the same time, it's really fun just to go and chat with people in person and, and connect with uh, a lot of people in the industry that you might not have seen in a year or so and um, a chance to meet other people. I think that's a huge, uh, huge question in the, in the sport is like, how do I meet other people? And it's like usually from like an AVI course, a guided course, or, you know, showing up to events, anything like Granite Backcountry puts on that um, an event like this is a, another good spot to like chat with people and, and see what's going on and be part of the growing community. Yeah. And we really missed that community aspect too. And so one of the things that we did, we, we did this sort of clinic portion, which has a limited number of spots, but um, we're also that same day in the afternoon, we're going to have a sort of backcountry bash social event at, at ledge, um, in intervale. And that's from three till, um, till basically whenever ledge closes, I think nine, and so that's open to anybody. That's not just if you're in, if you participated in Esau, that could be, um, you know, invite your friends, your family, um, if they're over 21 and yeah, that's sort of, we're hoping that that will be a nice community building event to, um, see old friends, make new friends, make connections. There'll be some select, um, gear vendors there, um, some partners there, um, some, some like volunteer groups that we work with. So it'd be a great opportunity, I think, to to talk with avalanche forecasters and, and there'll be some of the ESOP presenters there. So it's a good place to sort of meet face to face with some of those people that you, you might have seen present but didn't get the chance to shake hands with. Right. And it's always like a good state of the union for what's happening here regionally. You've got some great presenters that are I'm looking at like a few of the locals that are on on here and someone like. Mark Chauvin doing maps. Um, you got Nick from Senate Mountain Guides, always gives great presentations and has he has a ton of experience around here. Cam Wagner, who I saw flying the drone around, I think, right? He's been doing the research. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. it'll be really fun to hear how that's been going. And then you've got people that are from out west and and giving case studies and what they're seeing in their neck of the woods and how you can apply that here and so it's it's really fun mix of everything there's something for everyone no matter how seasoned or new you are you can jump right into this yeah we're finding that a lot of avalanche centers have adopted a sort of virtual format for for their saws and so it's really easy for for folks to sort of get online and just watch any presentation um, from any of the avalanche uh, workshops across the country and so we we did think it would be nice to sort of purposefully showcase and highlight some um, local presenters and scientists who are doing really interesting work uh, locally and um, and sort of highlight what they have to offer uh, for, for a presentation. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to have that mix now of not not just trying to bring in sort of the biggest names in avalanche uh, science and education, but showcasing like, hey, what are we doing here in our community? Um, and so you listed, you know, um, a few, um, uh, 
of the folks that we have that are that are going to be awesome yeah cam cam's presentation will be really interesting he, he did um uh, visual modeling of snow depth in Tuckerman Ravine over a, a winter period with, uh, with a drone, so with aerial photography. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that presentation. We have um, a new sort of avalanche um, community project, uh, community observations project that that popped up and started in the Adirondacks, where um, they're seeing sort of increased avalanches with the with users trying to go and ski the slides in the Adirondacks and they actually had one full burial last year and uh, and the person was ended up being fine but um I, I think it's it's really cool to see um community sort of event like um organizations like that pop up and and fill the need for sort of more information and more um community sharing shared observations Along that same vein, um, we have uh, David Hill from Community Snow Observations is another science-based group who's who's collecting data um, from anybody who travels in, in the mountains um, and has a, a way of measuring snow. And they're crowdsourcing that data and putting together some really interesting snow models um, and, and writing research papers with that data. So we'll, I'm excited to hear uh, more about about that as well so yeah again that's this thursday november 17th through saturday november 19th go to esaw.org for all the information um, this will be it's monday today so this will be online tonight um, anything else on that oh are there giveaways there's some sponsors on here anything fun you guys are doing yeah we're gonna do some giveaways um we're still finalizing what we have to give away, but we do have some some pretty sweet gear, so stay tuned. Yeah, I see Mahmood on here, Fisher, and of course us. So um, just one more incentive to get involved. All right, moving on. Um, in other topics, the new nonprofit, the MWAC Foundation, sort of new to me. I heard a little bit about this this summer, but yeah, why don't you talk more about um this merger yeah sure this is cool this is sort of like a, an unveiling of this new group so um there are kind of two main um support groups nonprofits that support the avalanche center uh, historically one is one that many people are familiar with friends of tucker intervene and the other is another one people are probably familiar with the white mountain avalanche education foundation and both of those groups um, worked to support funding for the Avalanche Center, to support education and outreach, and um, and information about you know keeping uh, protecting the ecosystems around Tuckerman Ravine with with the amount of uh, recreation and, and use that it sees. And so um, those two groups met. Um, they've been meeting a lot over the past year and have decided to merge together under the name Mount Washington Avalanche Center Foundation, which we're really excited about. Um, that sort of brings together two really powerful forces for the Avalanche Center and combines um, the boards and combines the strength of the strengths of both of those groups together into one. And um, I think that's gonna be a really positive change um, for the support that the Avalanche Center has and the opportunities that are available for the greater community. We're, we're super excited about that too. And so what does that look like as far as I know we, there's, there's some chatter about some grants and 
and so you say you give money to this foundation, you donate, um, raise money for it. How, how do you guys envision, um, that money being used? Yeah. So some of it goes to support avalanche center operations, which are based around, um, forecasting It's based around search and rescue. Since we do, we have search and rescue responsibility and that can be pretty resource intensive, especially in the springtime. Um, and then it can also go towards educational events such as Esau, um, such as the public or the uh, speaker series that we've run in the past. We're looking to bring something like that back. Um, and yeah, there there are grants available. We actually, we tended to, to um, we take grant applications gener- generally once a year and from various groups, it could be other nonprofits working in a similar space. It could be individuals who are doing some sort of a research project. Um, and this year we, we got a grant application from inclusive ski touring that we are, um, we're supporting them and, and their mission to sort of, uh, get, um, people involved in ski touring who, who maybe are new to the sport and want to sort of nice, friendly way to, to get into the sport and, and make friends and, and find mentors and, um, and eventually get into the backcountry. So we've been really impressed with the work that, uh, Zach has been doing with inclusive ski touring. And so, um, yeah, the foundation made the decision to to uh, include them in, in the grant grant money for this year. So uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good to think about ways that you can apply this funding, and that on both sides, whether you're a potential recipient or you know you can you know you can create a project, a, a video project, some awareness, some educational stuff. Um, I know there's a lot of creative types out there that you know this could certainly support. And then on the flip side, it's it's a it's a very common question is how can I support, um, you know, our snow rangers and, and the general community. And it's like, there's a few nonprofits and this is great to have in the mix as well, that it's only going to help, um, help everyone out in the long run. Yeah, for sure. So with, with snow on the way, I think like everyone is probably getting ready for the fire drill find out where all their gear is you know this is we're in gear season here the in in the fall everyone's super excited and probably online doing some doing some research reading reviews uh, what guidance do you have patrick about um on, on the avi safety side of going through your kit and things that that you're personally doing to get ready for the upcoming season yeah it's a good question um you know, obviously make sure your, your gear's in good working condition. Um, your skis, your bindings work. You're not going to release out of your bindings when you're dropping in your first line of the year. Um, but yeah, on the avalanche side of things for, for avalanche rescue kit, um, you know, I'd encourage people to, um, obtain if they don't already have their, uh, beacon shovel and probe. Um, and if you do already have it, then, you know, do a nice thorough inspection, Um, sometimes at the end of the season, I tend to just throw my gear in the corner and not look at it, um, for another seven months or whatever it is. And so, um, it's a good idea to pull that stuff out and look for any cracks on the connection points of your probe, look for cracks in the plastic housing of your beacon, make sure you didn't store your batteries in your beacon all summer. And if, if you did make sure there's no corrosion from those batteries inside of the, um, battery compartment. Um, look at your shovel, make sure that that's working properly, that the, the spring loaded, um, buttons still work properly and engage with your shovel so that it works. Um, 
Yeah, and, and make sure you have, you know, good working gear too. Like your beacon ideally is not um, 11 years old um, and it has three working antennas. And so you can do function check and I'm sure you can find resources online. Um, and there's certainly some resources on the Mount Washington Avalanche Center website that can help you get ready um, for the winter. So yeah, for gear, I think that's, those are the, the sort of basic things that I'd recommend. Um, and I know you're well stocked for, for any of that stuff if folks need that. Right. I mean, I would just also encourage check the firmware that's always being updated on on the beacons. Make sure you're up to date. And we have um, partnered with with Josh LeMay over at Senate Mountain Guides on some AviKit workshops in the past. Hopefully we have like a pretty robust um, sign up list. So based on the number of people that sign up for that, it's just a good opportunity on a weekend morning to dust off all your AVI safety gear and work through a few scenarios with, um, with Josh or, or someone else from, from Senate and it's free and it's like, it's kind of a no brainer. Again, you can meet someone else doing it. You, you get the education from a guide that maybe you haven't worked with before and you get to see other gear too. So you compare like what you're using with what other people are using and cool. It's a good opportunity. Where are you guys doing that? It depends. Depends on the conditions. Yeah. So it's like, I know when Josh ran it, the the past two winners, it was just, um, he was able to create an email group and break it into a couple of different groups, a couple of different sessions based on the size number and people's availability. But um, hopefully we'll continue that. Again, I'll link to that in the notes. Um, something to get, something, you know, you're looking at nice. your gear, but now looking at just a quick, you know, not a full on, course just something to refresh your refresh your memory yeah so like about halfway through last winter we piloted a a new beacon park that was donated to us that's right and that was um we had that set up at the um at the south end of the pinkham parking lot um on the leach field and that was that was awesome it was really really awesome to come down from the day and see people taking advantage of that. I love how it's right next to the parking lot. So you can sort of finish your day. And if you have 10 minutes, it's right next to your car. You can change really quick. You can have coffee, whatever there, and then just get right out. And, um, uh, it's, it's an amazing setup. You can, you can turn, there's, I believe eight beacons set up, um, that are pro, um, toggleable. So you can turn off whichever ones you want to and set up different scenarios, multiple burials, single burials, um, and and really practice and hone in some of those skills so once we have enough snow we'll we'll keep people posted about when that's up and running but um, that's a free resource um, for anybody who wants to use it i we just ask that you share it and be be nice to other people who want to use the space and um and if if it comes up i think you know it's we're we're graciously sort of given access to use that spot by the appalachian mountain club so, you know, if, if any, if somebody from the Appalachian mountain club asks you to, you know, they they need the space for something. Um, we just ask that you, you yield to them. But other than that, um, we hope people take advantage of that, of that, uh, resource. Yeah. That was a great addition to the, the visitor center up there. Cause there are a ton of AVI courses that they do a lot of their practical training up there and to yeah. have that stuff ready to go would be huge. Yeah. I think like. A big part of practice, at least for me, is sort of making it fun and making it something that you want to do. And a lot of times when you practiced or when I've practiced beacon drills in the past, it's a lot of digging. It's a lot of resetting locations so that it's unfamiliar 
time after time. And I think that's good to do still, but it's nice. Like the convenience of this makes it kind of a fun place to practice and hone in some of those beacon specific skills. Right on. Yeah. Well, we're going to try to keep these short. More importantly, try to keep them consistent. We'll be as the snow does its thing and, and accumulates and melts, accumulates and melts. Uh, hopefully we'll be here with a, a bunch of information. I think there's one last thing we we're going to talk about was just like resources for the weather forecast. Um, I've always had my bookmarked tabs like ready to go, whether it's the observatory, it's the, the NOAA site and um, the avalanche centers forecast. So those are a few of the tabs that I'll link to below. What else are you using, Patrick? Yeah, I do that same technique. I, I create like a nice organized bookmark situation on my browser so that it's really easy for me to just click like one click in the morning and get to all the sites that I want to look at rather than trying to remember when it's super early, like, Oh, what, what websites do I need to check? I just make it easy for myself to, to check them every day. Um, for, you know, specifically for the presidentials, um, I think all the resources that you would want or need are on our website. So check out that under, um, I believe I want to say the observations tab. Does that look right? Hmm. Check. Okay. But, um, yeah, we, we, you know, each day we'll give, uh, once we start doing daily forecasts, we'll have the avalanche forecast. We'll have our own, um, brief writ- written weather forecast as it relates to the avalanche forecast. Um, but we'll also link to our weather stations that we use for sort of more raw, um, uninterpreted data, if you're into that. Um, and we'll have links to National Weather Service resources, um, as well as um, some Mount Washington Observatory resources as well. There's um, lots of information to pull pull from on our website. Yeah, you've got the four, I mean, the, the weather tab link on the top of the the avalanche center site that has the Mount Washington observatory higher summits forecast along with the national weather services, Mount Washington forecast, and then the avalanche center observations page. So just a few things right there that people can check out if they haven't checked out already. Wrap it up. Yeah. All right. I'm ready for some snow. Hope everybody else is too. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Patrick for nudging me to get this going again. Um, we've set it up so that it won't be very resource intensive this year. Hopefully we'll mix it up and get some other people on here to be interviewed. Maybe get some stuff in the field again, please submit any, any feedback or requests our way. You can reach me on the, again, the links below Andrew at ski, the whites. Um, and then, how do you reach the Avalanche Center? Um, if you want to email us directly, you can email snow at mountwashingtonavalanchecenter.org, which might be the longest email handle ever, but it works. Um, and then there's also, there should be a contact us section on our website. Um, you can reach us there. And I guess maybe to close this out, the last plug that I would give is um, for our public observations, which is a feature that we have available um, if you're out and traveling and you see something interesting or you have a, um, you, you take a snow observation or you see it active wind loading or 
um, anything like that, you have the ability to submit a public observation to our website. And that can be anonymous or you can put your name on it. It doesn't matter to us. Um, but not only is it incredibly helpful to our team when we're forecasting, since we can't be everywhere at once, um, it's also really helpful to um, the greater community who I know, I don't know if you check that page regularly, Andrew, but um, I know like even when I'm going out for personal days, I'll check the the observations page just to see where people were, were at and what they noticed and what kind of snow they were skiing on. And um, that's a really helpful resource and a great way to sort of give back to other people who want to go skiing too. Um, and there's a video on there that I made a couple years ago when I was with the Avalanche Education Foundation um, about sort of what you might include in a, in a good observation if, if you're interested. And yeah, I just love the photos. Let's be real. Oh yeah. Like definitely. just good photos. <laughs> the, it goes back to what I was saying before about kind of just having your finger on the pulse of the snowpack and how things are evolving throughout the winter up here. Yeah. And photos just help a ton because they can really, you can just get a gauge of, of how things are filling in throughout the winter. But I mean, it's like you can look at it on like the super in-depth snowpack analysis to something super vague being like I was in Huntington. Here's a beautiful photo. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes the most effective observations are the most simple. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't necessarily need a full snow profile or a bunch of stability tests. Um, sometimes just a photo with a something for reference, like your hand or a ski pole um, with a certain snow grain type or um, a, a crust layer that you're noticing. That can be just really helpful. Keep it simple. Nice. Well, good place to wrap up. Looking forward to this weekend. Looking forward to these presentations. Again, sign up if you haven't already for Esau and hope to see a lot of you guys at Ledge on Saturday. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Right. See ya. Thanks, Patrick.